Thanks for tuning in to the V1 Church Podcast. You're about to hear episode three from our series, Question and Response, from our lead pastor, Mike Signorelli. In this message, Pastor Mike talks about the supernatural, the spiritual, and yes, even the demonic. So if you've ever had questions about the supernatural, then this is a message for you. Hey, how's it going, V1 Church? This is Mike Signorelli, your lead pastor, and I'm going to deliver a powerful message to you today. But before I do that, I want you to help me out, and I want you to clap and put your hands together for everyone who's visiting right now. Come on, let's do a sound check. Let's get real loud. Come on, let me hear you. You can do better. Come on, keep it going. Keep it going. Man, if you decided to come to church today, you made the right decision because I'm talking about a crazy topic. The world's talking about it. And I'm going to enter that conversation. We're going to talk about demons, ghosts, ghouls, goblins. Like, we're going there. I refuse to allow the paranormal investigators with their EMF detectors, with their, uh, you know, disembodied voices that they're capturing on recorders, with, you know, the visage of some figure that they capture on their, their camera. I refuse to let them dominate the conversation. Actually, the Word of God has so much to say about this topic. And there's a a couple of reasons that we're going to talk about today, you know, but you don't hear pastors talking about this topic. So I believe it's of utmost importance for you to lean in today. So whether you're visiting, you're a guest, whether you're a regular member, attender, or or for those of you who do watch our broadcast, did you guys know that we have uh, people watching from the Dominican Republic, Honduras, literally here in the States, Nevada, overseas in Ukraine, American missionaries who are watching in a college. And it's just incredible to think about the reach that this broadcast has. And so if you are in the movie theater right now, I know you can get loud and shout me down. I know that you can help me preach this message because it's impossible to preach a message like this and yet not impact the spiritual realm. But let's just say for whatever reason, you don't believe that the spiritual realm exists. I want to start by saying this. You cannot define your reality exclusively by what you have experienced. Now, let me say that again for everyone who's taken notes. You cannot define reality exclusively by what you've experienced. Let me just give you an example. I've been all around the world, but there's many more places I haven't been. I've never been to Africa. I believe God's going to send me to preach some uh, houses down there. But at at the same time, Africa exists even though I haven't experienced it. And so if your, if your definition of what's real is based on what you've experienced, you actually, that's a logical fallacy. So I just want to explain to you that there are things that you have not experienced yet that are as real or more real than what you have experienced. I'm talking about the spiritual realm. So let's first start talking about the natural realm, everything you can see, touch, taste, feel, experience. Here's the reality of this reality. If your life is relegated to just the natural realm, right? You are eating, you are defecating, your goal is to have sex, your goal is to shelter yourself, and then you do it all over again. And if you do all those in one day, you've had a great day. And the church said, amen. But if that's all that life is, then why is your job not enough for you? Why do you go to show up for your career every day? I know I'm I'm preaching already, but I, I can hear you through this screen. 
screen. Come on, somebody. But if your job was enough, why do you not feel like it's enough? Can I just tell you that there's something inside of you that longs for the spiritual realm? There's something inside of you that realizes that everything that you see with your natural eyes, if you are so privileged, is temporary. And and there's something inside of you that's pointing to a supernatural existence. As a matter of fact, compensation is what you live on, but your calling is what you live for. And every single one of us wants a calling. You know that life is more than what you are currently living. And that opens up this pathway for you to begin to believe in a supernatural realm. Let me just quickly tell my story, okay? And I'm just going to be very, very vulnerable today because pastors, we're weird. Like we want to convince you that you should believe in this book that tells you that that a body of water was split and then millions of people, the children of Israel, walked across dry land. We want to convince you that you should believe in that, that he guided them by a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. Then we want you to read the New Testament where Jesus spits in the mud, puts the mud on someone's eye sockets, and their eyesight is restored. And we want you to believe that's possible. But we do not want to talk about demons. We do not want to talk about the spiritual realm. And I just want to tell you one of the reasons why is because when it comes to the miraculous, wonder-working power of God, that's overwhelmingly positive. Like, God can do it. He can heal you of cancer. He can set you free in this area. And that's But when we start thinking about the conversation of demons, a lot of pastors and ministers will not go there. But how many of you know you are in a different kind of church with a different kind of pastor? My story is that I was living very much a natural life. I was just going about my daily business, but I had an insatiable desire to read scripture. And I'll never forget at 15 years old, I got to the book of Acts and I finished reading it. And this had been about my second or third time reading through the Bible, but I didn't have a relationship with God. I was Christian by association. You know what that meant? My mom, she abused me. She, she made me go to church every week. My mom, it was like I didn't have a choice. So I was Christian because I was in a Christian region with a Christian family going to a Christian church, but I didn't know the Christ of Christianity. You might be there. Uh, even some of you who got really good at sounding like a Christian may not know the Jesus of Christianity or you've fallen out of love with him. I was in a place where I didn't know him. Well, I read the book of Acts and I say, God, if this is for me, I want it. And when I said that, I had my first supernatural experience, my real, real first tangible one. I felt, and, and at this, for the sake of sounding crazy, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I felt like there was wind moving through my room. It was that much of an experience for me. Well, what began to happen soon after that is I started to experience what the world would call poltergeist type of experiences. I started to have these interactions with what I uh, felt at the moment and now know later on what were demonic entities. Now this might sound crazy. Some of you are probably like, they lost their mind at this church. But you know, it's impossible for you to surrender to the reality of the existence of God, but then deny the existence of the antithesis of God, which is Satan and his minions, which we call demons. And you know, the fact is less than 7% of the entire United States States identifies as atheistic or agnostic, which means over 90% of the entire United States, which means nine out of 10 of you listening right now, believe in the spiritual realm. You just may not have an articulation of words for it. 
So for me, what happened was, and this is my own personal experience, when I finally surrendered for God to be my master, like I'm going to submit my life to you. You are going to be Lord over my life. What happened was I chose a team. And I was, I was taken up into this warfare, into this army. See, the fact is you are in a war right now. We are all swept up in a war, but you always have a military advantage when you are concealed or cloaked in darkness. And so Satan's primary means in your life is for you to not know or not think that he exists. And so that gives him a military advantage in your life. So for me, just going to church every week, going through the routine with my my mom and, and my family, that was one thing. But when I actually started to engage with God and surrender to him as master, what I did was I revealed now, I pulled back that cloak and, and said, oh, wait a second, there is a spiritual realm. And because now God is my master, that makes Satan my enemy. And how many of you know that when you serve God and you start stepping into that realm, you are going to be fought by the enemy. I started to experience these crazy demonic manifestations. As a matter of fact, I had never been afraid to sleep on my, in my own room on my own, but I started to experience terrors through the night and what you would like see in the movies type of stuff. Now, as my life has played out its course somewhat, I've seen that there was a significant call on my life and the enemy, even though he may not know all the future, watch this, he's good at reading seeds. He'll look at an apple seed in seed form and he'll say, wait a second, if that germinates, it's going to become an apple tree, which bears more apples. And the enemy was looking at my life saying, wait a second, he doesn't even know it, but I'm good at reading seeds and I'm going to try to attack him and instill fear in him now in this age, because I know that he is going to destroy my kingdom through Christ in another era of his life. And so I started to enter into this space and I'm not saying any of this to freak you out, but I'm just saying that the supernatural realm is real. That is something that we can establish. But once you move past that, you have to acknowledge that more than just the supernatural realm and more than just the existence of God, but we also have Satan and his minions, which are demons. I want to read you uh, some of what scripture has to say about demons. It's funny because You've heard a lot of sermons preached by pastors and ministers, but have you seen a lot of ministers cast out a lot of demons? Because if we're modeling our ministry after Jesus, it's simply impossible not to pray for the sick and see them recover, but also pray for those who are possessed or oppressed by demons and see them set free. So here's just three things that I want to go through quickly where... Satan and his demons, they inflict harm on us here on earth. So the first one you see is in Matthew chapter 12, verse 22. And people are possessed, and that possession actually produces a, a physical disability, a physical harm. Mark chapter 5, verse 1 through 20 shows this as well. In Luke chapter 22, verse 3 through 4. So let me read this to you. Then they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute. Now, this is not to say that all physical blindness 
or all physical um, restriction of ability is relegated to demonic possession. But it is to say that we have a very clear picture in scripture of how sometimes they are connected. And, And it says this, and Jesus healed him so that he could talk and see. And so by being released from that demonic power, his physical ability was restored to him. Let me read you Mark chapter five. For he had often been chained hand and foot. This is a demoniac. And he tore the chains apart and broke the irons of his feet, which we know is not physically possible for a man to do with his own strength. No one was strong enough to subdue this man. This is verse five. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. And from uh, and he saw Jesus from a distance and he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. And then he shouted from the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In Jesus, uh, and, and it says in God's name, don't torture me. And Jesus said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. And the man was set free. So you even see what appears to be a mental illness and, and this supernatural strength actually being the result of a demon possession. Now, listen, we're talking about Halloween. You've got all of this Hollywood stuff. You've got all of the, the smoke and the mirrors and the lights and the makeup. But this is very clear in the Bible. And it is simply impossible for you to be a believer, a follower of Christ. See, the definition of discipleship, to be a disciple, you've all heard, oh, it's a disciplined learner. Actually, the deeper understanding of it is to be a disciple is to say, if Jesus were to live your life, how would you live it? And so if we see Jesus living his life incarnated in flesh, casting demons out of other people and it releasing them in so many areas of freedom, there is something about the way in which you should live your life that should be confrontational to the demonic realm. As a matter of fact, the book of Ephesians says that we don't fight against flesh and blood. Like you've never had a battle against another human. You may have thought you were fighting against a family member. You may have thought you were fighting against people on your job. It says we don't have even the option to do that. We have grace for people like Christ had grace for us. But our real battle, and this is in the book of Ephesians, says is against principalities and powers and rulers in the high places. In other words, it's against ranks and divisions of demons from local, regional demons, uh, familial demons, demons in the lives of people, all the way to regional spirits over entire uh, regions that control that space. And we must understand this because we cannot allow Hollywood to dictate what we think and believe about the spiritual realm. The church has to be clear about what God says in his word about it. In Luke chapter 22, verse three and four, it says this, then Satan entered Judas. I bet you didn't know this part of the story. See, it's real popular to say, oh, I get it. Judas fell off. He was a bad team member. He was twisted. He had a fence in his heart. What the Bible actually says is Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the 12. Verse four says, and Judas went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. So the betrayal of Jesus is connected to the demonic possession of Judas. I bet you didn't see that before. And as a matter of fact, a deeper reading of the text, when you know the original language, 
passage, when it says Satan entered Judas, the, the language that's used in the original um, interpretation was, and he kicked the door of Judas' heart off the hinges. In other words, it says, and he forcibly entered Judas. Why? Because Judas was upset about how Jesus was spending the ministry money. And so the offense that he had about how money was being spent actually caused Satan to forcibly enter him. Look at that, Luke 22, three through four. This is serious. Sometimes you're talking with a friend and they start to tell you about an offense that they have or something they experienced in the local church. There is a possibility that there is a demonic influence that's happening. I'm gonna keep on teaching because there's a lot here. Number two, for those of you taking notes, binding the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel is one of the functions of a demon. It's one of the assignments that they have in their kingdom of darkness. Binding the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. Watch this. I know this is a lot of information. Just shout me down if this is helping you right now. I, I pray to God this is helping you. Here's the reality. I'm just going to tell you. Sometimes people have unbelief because they have something in their intellect that needs to be satiated. There's something in their understanding. For me, that was a reality for me. I, I just needed to read philosophy and science. I needed to get a perspective from astrophysicists. I needed to see it. And once that was satiated in my intellect, I was able to recommit my life to Christ. That was my story. But 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says, there are some people that they are actually bound by a demonic force that prohibits them from seeing the light of the gospel. It says, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Who is the God of this age? It's Satan and his minions. And it says that what does the God of this age do? It blinds the mind of unbelievers. Think about that. Sometimes you think you've got friends or family members and you're like, every single time I try to tell them about Jesus and share the gospel, I feel like I'm hitting a brick wall. I don't feel like it's getting through to them. Sometimes it's an intellectual curiosity. It's an intellectual understanding. But I will tell you this. Atheism is often a disease of the soul before it's ever a misunderstanding of the mind. And Satan will go in, and we know according to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, he will go in and blind the minds of unbelievers. You may have to deal with it in the spiritual realm. And it's not a documentary. It's not a peer-reviewed scientific article. It is prayer and fasting that's going to break that demonic influence over them. Can I keep going? All right, because this is good. Somebody learning something. I'm taking you to school today, y'all. Okay, the third thing that demons do, their assignment is promoting false doctrine. First Timothy verse four, verse one says this. Chapter four, verse one says this. The spirit clearly says that in the latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Wait a second, go on YouTube and show me the demon channel. <laughs> 
Show me the, where can I go and listen to a demon? It's not going to happen by a demon alone. But what it actually says is these, is that people, there will be a falling away and these people will be, it says they will follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. It is going to be human beings that are getting a revelation straight from hell. It's going to be human beings that are speaking and repeating the things that demonic forces are echoing in their ears. And it says that their people will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Now listen, I'm not saying this to scare you, but I need you to understand that there are doctrines of demons. There are biblical interpretations that the root of those interpretations are a deception from a demon that is being echoed by a willing, listening vessel. And so we must know and understand the Bible actually says that the sheep know the shepherd's voice and will not listen to another. How is it possible to be listening to the voice of a demon to give an interpretation of the Bible? It's very simple. You are Christian by association. You don't know the Christ of Christianity. You're a church attender. You know the voice of the, the, the famous preachers that you hear on Facebook and Instagram. You know the voice of your pastor because you listen to him preach every week, but you don't know the voice of God because you're not connected with God through relationship. And I know that's a hard word, but what's going to happen is that people are going to continue to rise up in influence and preach, but they are preaching by a demonic assignment, not a divine assignment. We're going all the way into the deep end today, church. I'm telling you. The last one is this. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7 says that demons torment believers. If you are a true believer, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Verse 7 says this, because of these surpassingly great revelations, therefore, in order to keep me from being concealed, and you've probably never seen this before, I was given a thorn in my flesh. Wait a second, comma, a messenger of Satan to torment me. I bet you never saw that before. Often we think that Paul was just struggling with some uh, uh, mysterious unknown thing. The, the most information that we get about what he struggled with was a thorn in the flesh, comma, a messenger of Satan. And so there was something demonic about the origin of that thorn that he struggled with. There is a tormenting that will happen in the lives of believers as a result of demonic influence. You know, I want to kind of come to a close and the thing that I think is significant for you out of this entire conversation that we've tried to have is that it's not enough for you to say, okay, I'm willing to cross over from just a purely naturalistic mindset to a spiritual mindset and then say, okay, well, I can go from there to believe in God and then through God accept Christ. But if you are gonna accept Christ, understand that you have been swept away into an army, into an existing battle, a battle that existed before you showed up in your body here on this planet. And you must be wise about who your enemy is because for years and years of your life, he may have concealed himself in doubt and unbelief and shrouded it in this idea of, oh, it's just Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny and Jesus and all that. But the more you continue to reveal, it's almost like you, you ever been in the woods or in your backyard and you pick up a big rock that's been undisturbed for a long time. And on the other side of that rock is all these creepy crawlies. What will begin to happen is as you turn this rock over, you'll see demonic influence has been all 
all in your life, in your family's life. And it's not anything to be afraid of because actually what happens is Jesus said, all authority has been given to me, which means that you will go out, cast out demons in my name, heal the sick, and they will recover. And I've given you my authority to do that. We had somebody who accepted Christ as a result of sitting in a service just like you are right now. And he came up to me afterwards and said, I used to be a Satanist. And as a matter of fact, I wanted power so badly that I begin to pursue it at whatever cost. And even if Satan was willing to give me power, I would serve him. I used to conjure up demons and then send those demons and dispatch them to do things. And he was like, I used to think that people who didn't believe in the spiritual realm were fools because I would see the tangible results of interacting with those demons and sending them out on missions. And he said, but what happened is as Satan began to promise me more power, as these demons began to promise me more influence, I would go up in the rankings until I got to a certain point where I realized that I created my own prison and these same forces turned on me and I couldn't escape them. But all of a sudden I showed up to V1 Church and you started talking about a name above every name, a power above every power, that name of Jesus. And I knew that was for me. Well, he accepted Christ that day. And then all of a sudden I, I took him to Road to Life Church across the country with me and I told his story. And as I told his story in front of a group of men at a separate event, one of the guys said, Afterwards, he came up, accepted Christ, and he said, I'm a pagan. And as a matter of fact, I go into the prison systems. And when I go into the prison systems, I teach these men occult practices. But when you brought that guy from New York who used to be a Satanist and begin to tell his story, and my friend invited me to this event, I knew there was no such thing as a coincidence. It was a confirmation from God. I'm supposed to surrender to the greatest power, which is Jesus. Now that guy got connected at Road to Life Church and is going back into the prisons to tell people about Jesus. Come on, church, can we celebrate what God is doing? But let me just tell you this, and I think this is of utmost importance for you to understand. There is a power, but there's a power above the power. And see, one of the stories that I keep coming back to in my heart over and over again is Luke chapter 17, verse 11 through 19, where 10 lepers who were in the margins of society, the Bible actually gives an account that, you know, he had actually walked away from Jerusalem towards Samaria, Samaria and Galilee. In other words, Jesus was in a place he shouldn't have been. Jesus was in a place that other Jews wouldn't go. And he sees 10 men who are struggling. And as they're struggling, all of a sudden, they're saying, Master, 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 please heal us. Please save us. Have mercy on me. And he says, go see your priest and it'll be done. Well, all 10 of them were healed, but only one of them ran, ran back. And when they showed up to Jesus, they said, Jesus, that one man said, Jesus, I love you so much. Jesus, thank you for having mercy on my master. And then all of a sudden, Jesus asked the question, wait a second, weren't there 10 of you? Where are the other nine? And you know, I think that so often we're in search of power. We're in search of, of influence. We're in search of a financial blessing. And what happens is we come into church experiences and we say, Jesus, Jesus, master, master, master. But I believe just like those 10 lepers who had the incurable skin disease, all 10 of them were healed, but only one of them really wanted a master. See, they were all saying master, but one of them, they're saying master, but their heart was saying physician, heal my body. One was saying master, but their heart was saying, be my psychic and tell me about my future to calm my nerves and bring down my anxiety. See, they all had a different motive. They wanted to enter into the spiritual. They wanted to enter into the supernatural realm, but only one of them wanted the person of the supernatural realm. Only one of them wanted the master, Jesus. 
Jesus. And I want this to be a convicting moment for you because it's so easy to listen to the story about this Satanist and say, wow, I can't believe he would go and, and try to conjure up these demons to do this thing. But we've got prophetic Christians that just want to use God. And it's a more akin to witchcraft than it is surrender to the master, surrender to the local church, surrender to the authority of God. And what we don't want is a master. We want a psychic. We, what we don't want is a master. What we want is a physician. And once we get what we want, we're gone. And I think that what convicts me so much, and this is the real allure, the real draw of the supernatural realm, is power and influence. And oh man, people will see you. And as you begin to operate in that, you'll come up and, and all of a sudden you'll be able to manipulate reality so that you can have a better life. And, and what it feeds is this addiction that we have to self. But what I think is so important about that story is 10 lepers came to Jesus crying master, but only wanted, one of them wanted a real master. And see, what you realize in Scripture is that all of us have to choose because you can only have one master. And if, you have any, if you've come in today and you're saying, I want to be free from demonic influence. I want to be free from the forces of darkness that have me in chains right now. I want to be free from myself that's gone in search of these spiritual experiences, but not wanting the God over the entire spiritual realm. This is your opportunity to be free right now. This is a serious word. You know, it may, look, you know, may be dressed up like Halloween this coming week, but it's deeper than that. It's this reality that Satan does not want you to pull back the veil and see. He doesn't want you to get free. He doesn't want you to have a master. See, Satan had no problem with all 10 lepers getting healed. What he didn't want is one of them coming back to receive a master and a relationship with the God that healed him. Right now, if you're saying, Pastor Mike, I've heard enough. I've had too many experiences in my life. I need Jesus right now. I need to know that I'm in relationship with him. I need to know that more so than just another healing or a financial blessing or in or whatever foolishness that I've built up that I need so much. I need to be at the feet of Jesus to know my true master. This is your opportunity. I want you to just close your eyes and remove all distractions right now. I want you to just, just as your eyes are closed, I want you to just confess something with me right now. The Bible says that when you open your mouth, you use your words and your words allow you to step into the supernatural realm. The Bible says that you can speak life or you can speak death. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says, confess with your mouth because there's something about you speaking in this moment that will cause a breakthrough to happen. And, and so we're going to pray right now. So just repeat after me, everyone praying, everyone just repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I surrender my life to you. You are my master. You are my Lord. Break the chains of darkness off of my life. Today, I am free because your blood has ransomed me. And I thank you, Jesus, for total freedom in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, come on, let's celebrate for every person who just prayed that prayer. Come on, let's just lift up a shout. I believe that God is doing something right now in your life and is going to continue to do it in Jesus' name. Thanks again for tuning in to the V1 Church Podcast. If this message did something in your life, we want to ask you to share it with a friend or a family member that you know needs to hear this message. Also, while you're at it, leave a five-star rating and a comment, and we'll see you next time.